Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast. It's your weekly drop back into Whatcom County prep football on the Doug Lang Network at onthedln.com. Now let's hit the huddle with your hosts, Doug Lang, Jeff Bearden, and Tyler Anderson. Welcome to it. It is time for episode four of the Cover 3 podcast, available to you on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn, as well as www.onthedln.com. Yours truly, Doug Lang, along with Jeff Bearden and Tyler Anderson from WhatcomPreps.com as we check in each and every week to get you squared away for Whatcom County Prep football. And there's plenty of big games getting underway in week number four. It will be official as of... Friday, 3A, 2A, 1A, all of the different classifications will all begin league play if they haven't already, and obviously it gets that much more exciting when league play gets underway, but uh, it, it, there's, a, there's a little, I, I guess a special asterisk that I will put in there when, I, when talking about the, the 1A ranks in the Northwest Conference, and that is the six-pack of games that will be coming up here the next six weeks. It is uh, rather tough here if you are Meridian, Mount Baker, Nooksack Valley, Orland, and Christian. We're going to dive into that a little bit deeper. How in the world those teams survive and have any kind of, well, anything left for the playoffs, much less the fact that, well, that three of them are in the top 10 right now and they're all projected to do very well is rather surprising to me. Yeah, they they could end up being still in the top 10 by the end and and have kind of a kind of a 500 record because they just beat each other up. But they are really good teams, and if they can stay healthy throughout, they can do some damage in the playoffs. We will dive a little bit deeper into that in just a moment, but let's get things underway. Time for the Cover 3 podcast opening kickoff. Let's begin with, well, first wins and first losses. Those occurred in week three for a handful of teams out of Whatcom County. Uh, We saw Ferndale get their first victory of the year over Marysville Pilchuck 28-16 in a game that, well, looked like Ferndale was going to roll. They got out to that early lead. A big third quarter by Marysville Pilchuck, a big defensive turnover that eventually led to a score, and it really relied on a big fourth quarter out of Ferndale to put it away. Yeah, Ferndale, they, you know, defensively they had to stand up and they and they made a couple good stands, uh interception or two in that fourth quarter, which was really well needed. You know, Ferndale kind of shot themselves in the foot in the foot a little bit in that third quarter offensively, penalties, and uh, but the defense really stood up and they they sealed that game for them. Tyler, it was a big game for Watiko Layton. Uh, the the receiving touchdown, the interception, those are the things that are going to get all the notice. But he made three or four plays, the bulk of them coming in that fourth quarter, just plays on passes defensively that prevented uh, Marysville Pilt, or Mark that Marysville Getchell from getting anywhere in that fourth quarter. Yeah, he, he definitely, uh, you know, he kind of plays that rover free safety spot, and I don't know if he's got a man or anything, or even an area. I think he was just kind of watching the quarterback's eyes, and he right. seemed to break on a few passes pretty well. They had the sophomore quarterback in, so he, you know, he, he probably didn't have a, as much of experience, not really looking off the safety, and, and Watiko made some great plays in the fourth quarter. Seaholm also picked up their first victory of the year. They beat Centralia on the road 42-14. Big offensive explosion. 21 points in the first quarter for Seaholm. Uh, Dylan Roberts was big in this contest. It was nice to see after we saw Seaholm the previous week, they kind of got things on track. Yeah, I mean, they are they like to spread the ball out, but they like to run the ball too. And it seems like they would get down early a few times and they would have to force to throw. You have a really great running back with Dylan Roberts. You want to pound the ball early, get ahead early. It was 14-14, and then they just took off after that. Their defense started playing well, and they did they did great. Bellingham also picked up their first victory of the year. They absolutely blank uh, Sammamish 47 nothing. Uh, we saw a little bit of Bellingham in their, in their game against Lakewood. We saw them earlier in the season. 
season, and they were kind of struggling. We'll hear later on from Ted Flynn about them kind of trying to find their identity. They got Spencer Lee back last week. He only played on defense and special teams. Kind of makes you wonder how good they will be once they get him back on the offensive end, Jeff. Yeah, once they once he's playing both offensive and defense, it's really going to help that team quite a bit. You know, they got out to a 40 nothing lead at halftime this, this last week against Sammamish. So you got the running clock going in the second yep. half, which, you know. The broadcaster's is, dream. It is a broadcaster's dream, <laughs> but it's also, you know, as a coach, you kind of like it, you kind of don't, because you'd like to get some more players in there to sure. get some experience, and you really can't because they're not going to get a whole lot of playing time with that running clock. But I, I'm sure Coach Flynn is not com- complaining about a 47 nothing victory. I mean, that's huge. First losses, Blaine. They fall to Lyndon Christian 14-3 to at home. And, yes, it's a loss, but what we've seen out of Lyndon Christian, now granted they gave up their first three points of the season, they were held to 14 points. That's got to say something about that Blaine Borderite defense. Yeah, Coach Dodd has that defense flying around the ball. They have, they have this new safety, Derek Machula. He's a transfer from uh, Texas. He played in a 6A school wow. uh, last year, I think, and I think he got some a lot of playing time last year at that school. And he's he's just kind of running around and making plays, and he's kind of got them believing. They got Gavino Rodriguez coming off the edge. They have some really good players on defense, Jacob Westfall, linebacker. So they did a really good job of uh, shutting down the LC defense to, to a point. 6A in Texas. That sounds huge, but why do I feel like in Texas, like, well, we go all the way up to 12A, so that's nothing. <laughs> uh, and, and finally, Squalicum. They lose to Marysville Pilchuck. Tight game, 20-14. to 14. Tyler, this one was really about injuries for Squalicum. They, they, they were already without Brandon Powers, and and then get hit in the in the uh, offensive backfield. Got to move a lot of players around. Yeah, they started the game with Devontae Powell at running back. He did play some running back last year. He's kind of more of a wide receiver build, but he can definitely run the ball. Uh, he had three carries into the game, and then he goes down. So what do you do? You put Spencer Lloyd from quarterback to running back. You bring up the sophomore Mason Binning to play quarterback. He's got a great arm, and it just just time just ran out for them. I mean, they played as hard as they could with all those injuries, but. Um, on that final drive, it just it just didn't wasn't to be for them. We'll hear more from Coach Nick Lucian. He'll talk a little bit about the status of a couple of his key players as they get ready. They will take on Marysville Getchell coming up on Saturday. That's still to come. But now the segment that you've all tuned in for that is a look into the numbers. That's right. It's uh, Tyler dishing out the numbers, dishing out the stats. What do you got for us this week? Well, I got a few things here. I really want to um, talk about what Bellingham did last week. They ran the ball on every play except for one. Wow. And they, they totaled 410 yards on the ground. How do you get the one pass? Hey, coach, I just want to pass <laughs> just once. Yeah, well, <laughs> they did get one in. It must have been third and long or something. Yep. But, um, but the really cool thing that they did is they had four players rush for over 90 yards. And I, and I thought, I don't know if this has ever happened before. So I looked it up. And uh, it's definitely the first time in school history. It's the first time in Whatcom County history Wow! that the four players ran for 90 yards. Um, they're Morgan Cavalier, Towner Goodman, um, Jack Fields, and I believe it was Tim Edwards was the other one. But the offensive line, Christian Buttonshone, Butch Mullins, Gage Bell, Julian Donahue, and Chase Johansson, along with the tight ends, Andre Triplett, Chris Osterling, and Rand Bentley. Those guys really did a job up front. Also, Spencer Lloyd is currently leading in three different categories statistically, the uh, quarterback slash running back from Squalicum. Right. He's leading in rushing with 470 yards. He's also leading in scoring, and he's leading in punting. So he's kind of doing it all for them, and he made a couple tackles for loss on defense last week. And he's also ranked in the top 10 in career as the, in school history for career rushing passing and scoring so he's kind of just doing a lot of things mr do everything for the squalicum storm yeah austin o'brien for nooksack valley has done a lot offensively he he averages every time he has a play where he's going to do something he averages over nine yards whether it's a carry or a pass attempt so just give the ball to him and sure. you'll get nine yards. Sure. Like. I, it's funny, too, because I've heard so many good things about him through the first handful of weeks of this season, and obviously there was a lot of question marks. Well, who's going to step in for Casey Bauman? Well, you can't replace Casey, sure. but boy, oh boy, is he doing a very good job here, uh, obviously uh, stepping in now to lead this pioneer attack. Yeah, he led them in rushing and scoring last year, and so you know he's a good player, but taking over that leadership role, he's throwing the ball really, really well, and they've had a lot of injuries on the outside, too, so he's, he's, he's making other players 
better. He's you know he's really stepping up his game. Um, speaking of injuries, you know a couple of the top receivers in Whatcom County, Evan Knightling and Kevin Galliano, uh, they're they're up there over 200 yards receiving already. Uh, Knightling hurt his ankle last week. Yep. Don't know if he'll be able to go. Uh, Kevin Galliano did not play last week for Meridian. Um, kind of they're hopeful that he'll be able to play. And speaking of receiving, Mount Baker has two players in the top five in receiving. And I thought, when was the last time they had two players in the top five in Whew. receiving? Uh, 1994, uh, Tom Horseman and Lance Zamzow were in the top five in receiving wow, for Walker wow. County. So it's been a long time since they've had two guys that were go-to guys. They, they usually have that one guy on the outside. Right. Now they have multiple weapons on the outside. Okay, we all just went, wow, because that's such a long time ago, except that I was calling those games back then. <laughs> right. I am officially old, in case you did not know. All right, uh, other big storyline heading into the week. It is official now. Uh, all of the different classifications within Whatcom County will be playing league matchups for the most part from here on out, uh, which means that it, it begins in the 2A, it begins in the 1A, 3A had already got things underway. Uh, they've been. Uh, we'll get to the, the Lummy matchup against their top rival in Nia Bay here coming up in just a moment, but I, I really wanted to focus on the 1A because... I don't know. There, there's probably somebody listening to the podcast that will get a hold of us, and they can, uh, that will say, no, wait, our conference does this. But how many have, you know, four teams that play each other twice in a given season? Oh, and by the way, how about starting league play? Three of those four teams are ranked in the top 10 in the Associated Press 1A poll. Uh, this is a, just a slugfest a gauntlet, whatever you want to call it, a torture test that begins for Linden Christian, Meridian, Nooksack Valley, and who am I missing? Mount uh, Baker. Mount Baker. Um, I, I just, I, it, it's a, it's a different beast to try and prepare for. Yes, everybody starts league play and all the games count, but it's weird to play somebody and then you're going to see them three weeks later once again. Tyler compiled the numbers. They, they brought it all back where they they did this kind of round robin home and away type of situation it started back again in 2014 mount baker has been the most successful 20 and 4 overall in, in that time meridian 16 and 8 nooksack valley and linden christian are under 500 7 and 17 and 5 and 19 and yet if you look at the scores of these games there's not that many blowouts in there. They're very, very tight matchups when these four teams get together, depending on who's playing who. Yeah, I mean, they all have a huge rivalry. They've all been coaching forever against each other. They know each other so well. And in that first game, you might get some feeling out and stuff like that. And then the second game, they have to completely change everything because they're so good at countering what the other team does. And it's just it's brutal for all the coaches, but they do get along, so it makes it a lot of fun. I talked to all of the different coaches, all four of them, at different times throughout this season about this, about the league, about what it means to play this six-week stretch to get ready, hopefully, and, and qualify for the playoffs. We'll start things off with Meridian coach Bob Ames. He says it's been brutal in previous years, and it will be again, but there is a big benefit. Well, I think the league is a lot like it was last year. I mean, anybody could have won it, and uh, I think I said throughout the playoffs, I mean, Rob and Ron and Dan had a large part in our success because they were so tough and competitive. It was horrible in that, really, for all of us in that six-week stretch, and the, they weren't, we were more prepared because of what they provided uh, competition-wise than a lot of the teams we played in the playoffs. Jeff, we've talked about this. We talked about it during baseball season when we said, okay, because of the classification within the Northwest Conference, if you make it out of the NWC, you are better prepared than most teams that you will play at the district level to try and move on and win a state championship. It applies in football, basketball, baseball, the other sports as well, just because of how loaded and the different classifications that you have here. The 1A is just absolutely stacked on the football side. Yeah, it is stacked, and, you know, you know, people have said before, well, this isn't right. It isn't fair that they have to play each other twice. But as a coach and and being in the situation before in baseball, you actually enjoy it and embrace it. Sure. Because you're not going to play tougher teams if you played all single-A teams, you know, throughout the season. To play bigger schools uh, in, in the other sports, you know, the AAA and the AA schools, it helps you. Now, the football, which is different because you play each other twice, 
you have to understand those teams, all four of them are very good. Yeah. And so each game isn't the same. You might have a game go one way the first week, three weeks later you play again, and it's totally different. I mean, right. it, it's one week, it's a running matchup. The second time, a team can come out and throw 45 times because that team knows everything that you do. Sure. What and, worked in in the first matchup may not work in that second exactly. one. Exactly. And, and I know that when the teams get to the playoffs, it's almost like, Wow, this is this is a week off for it because it, <laughs> it's so less competitive that you know they can actually go in and uh, they're so well prepared that you know a lot of people don't like it, but it does set these teams up to succeed in the playoffs. Lyndon Christian, headman Dan Kamek, he used a rather familiar phrase to describe the next six weeks. Yeah, it's it's survive in advance, really. To be honest with you, Doug. I mean, you try to get through that. You try to get through it. Not get anybody, you know, you're, every game is just a battle all the way then. So you're trying to keep kids healthy. But there's no question that Meridian Baker Nooksack and then Meridian Baker Nooksack, <laughs> or whatever the order is, is real challenging. I love it because I'm going up against my friends. I hate it because it's really difficult. Yeah, that, that's got to be tough. I, I mean, there's nothing but a lot of respect amongst those four coaches within the 1A ranks of the, of the NWC. But very, very tough, and, and that's that's kind of where you're. How do you prep for it? How do you properly prep for it? Mount Baker coach Ron Lepper says the difference from non-conference play to league play it's huge. That's why we do the off-season work that you can, and and the way we try to prepare for that because you know you can't take it somewhat you know easy, and then all of a sudden you want to ramp it up because you're playing a league game. No, that's that's why we try to get that 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 style all the time so we're consistent with it and we and we can understand it and we deal with it so and it's different it is it's league now and and you know kids know kids um that's always an interesting aspect of it you know they, they play against other sports uh you know they might be friends and go to the same church or whatever so um anytime you're playing in within the county in a league game it just has a little bit more spice to it now he he brought up a good point there that it, it's county schools and so you kind of think of them as being a long ways away but there are especially now with different sports and AAU teams and I play on this select squad everybody kind of knows each other so there is definitely a feel to this and and it it's a little different especially now with the 2A and the 3A playing teams outside of Whatcom County that are called league games this is truly getting back to the old you know Whatcom County League the WCL days and and Tyler tell me just what that's like when you were jumping into those games against you played for for Mount Baker the Nooksack Valleys the Meridians the Linden Christians it 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 amps it up a, a big step that's for sure yeah definitely especially when you, like coach Lepp said about playing other sports I mean you know those kids from the baseball diamond or the basketball hardwood or the wrestling mat or whatever um you know you're you know and you know that their parents played you know I mean you just know everything about them and uh and especially it now with social media being a thing, sure. and, you know, they're friends on Facebook and they're doing the tweeters and all the things or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 they know each other so well. And, and, um, and there's a lot of respect out there because you see a lot of people helping each other up. It's, there's a lot, you know, it's, it, it goes both ways, but they do want to win. That's for sure. I think you can tell in charge of the cover three podcast social media is Tyler Anderson. He is always on the interweb, as he likes to call it. Uh, and finally, let's hear from head coach Rob Meyer of Nooksack Valley. He says he's been through this all before, but... I've been coaching this team. I think this is my 19th year, and I still have the least amount of experience of these other coaches. <laughs> and so uh, you're going against great programs, and... Uh, the the nice thing is that if you can make it out of our league, you're going to do well in the playoffs. And you saw that with Meridian last year. If uh, if our league had not prepared them probably the way that the competition in this league prepared them, they probably wouldn't have gone all the way to the Dome. But uh, you could see, and everybody knows it, if you come out of the Whatcom County League or Northwest Conference, you're going to do well. And, uh, and so it is a fun competition. It's fun to... See those coaches? I just wish it wasn't always on a football field. <laughs> Understandable. No doubt about it. The 1A matchups are just part of our preview of the Week 4 games coming up next on the Cover 3 podcast right here on the Doug Lang Network.
The prep football season is underway and we've got you covered on the Doug Lang Network. Listen to our game of the week as we follow the gridiron action in Whatcom County. It's playing at Seaholm in a 2A showdown Friday, September 21st, beginning at 6.45 p.m. Listen live online at www.onthedln.com. Welcome back to it. Episode 4 of the Cover 3 podcast right here on the Doug Lang Network. Doug, Jeff, and Tyler with you at www.onthedln.com. Also available on iTunes as well as Stitcher Radio and TuneIn. Tell a friend about it and listen along. The new podcast drop each and every Thursday during football season at 8 o'clock. Time to look ahead to the old Week 4 matchups. Let's begin with the earliest of the affairs on Friday. It is the fifth-ranked Lummy Nation Blackhawks visiting Nia Bay. Lummy Nation 2-0, Nia Bay 1-2 on the year. Nia Bay is coming off of a 48-22 loss to Quill Seen. Their former head coach, Tony McCauley, stepped down back in June after going 105-20 as their coach. He won four Class 1B state football championships with Nia Bay. Their last one back in 2016 when they beat Lummy in the semifinals, 28-22. It is the top rivalry uh, between the Red Devils of Nia Bay and the Blackhawks of Lummy Nation. New coach is the former defensive coordinator, TJ Green. Blackhawks. They haven't played since September 7th when they beat LaConnor. Their game against Muckleshoot canceled. Their backup plan against Seattle Lutheran canceled. Well, they, they just worked on getting better. Hopefully they will. Lummy head coach Jim Sandusky says it has been a great rivalry with Nia Bay over the years. The competition's been very, very close. It's one of those things where in eight-man, you rarely get a game that's within a touchdown. It's just the way it is. Even close, I mean, a close game really is probably a three-touchdown game. That's considered, uh, you know, like an 11-man, probably like a three-point game. So when you uh, when you get uh, games that your your whoever scores last or whatever, it's uh, it's pretty exciting. And uh, we've had a lot of those uh, with Nia Bay. Lummy beat Nia Bay twice last year, 28-0 and 28-7. That game Friday at five o'clock on the road. A game a lot of people are talking about, and understandably so. How about number five, Archbishop Murphy at 1-1, one one, visiting number three, Linden, 3-0, three oh, a 7 o'clock kickoff in this one. What a way to start off league play for the Lions against a very, very good Wildcat squad. Yeah, I mean, Linden has played some good teams already, and they're 3-0, and they're and oh, but this is going to be, in my estimation, their toughest league game of the year. They're getting it out of the way early. But uh, and I know that you know James Marsh is you know he's kind of uh, slightly injured I think but he's he's playing through it and um, this is going to be a great game I think that Linden's defense is up for it. it's going to be a heck of a game on the other side Archbishop Murphy they haven't played since September sixth sixth that is when they lost to defending state champion Hawkinson forty two thirteen. The Wildcats game against Rainier Beach was canceled last Friday after school officials were made aware of a potential threat. Uh, we don't know how that all played out, but nonetheless, the game got canceled. Linden head coach Blake Van Dalen says, along with the disappointment of any threat involving any school, the game cancellation and a lack of recent game film to look at has had an effect on the Lions' preparation for Friday's game. We knew that they had an injury at tailback against Hawkinson, and he was a pretty electric player for them. And so to see what direction they go after uh, losing him will be interesting. Uh, so it'll be a little bit of a feeling out period early on. Uh, they're a good program, and so they're not going to just can what they do. They're kind of a next man up program, just like we are. So I expect them to be who they are and do what they do. And then uh, we just want to let the kids play and 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 go head to head and see where they where we end up. Jeff, the last time Archbishop Murphy and Lyndon matched up. Archbishop Murphy won at 52-14. It was the 2016-2017 state semifinals. People have wanted a rematch for quite some time. 
Linden looks to be rolling right now. This could be about the best time for Linden to play Archbishop Murphy, a perennial powerhouse. Yeah, Archbishop Murphy, you know, they graduated a lot of great players the last two years and uh, a couple D1 players, and so they are down. I, I saw them play on TV a couple weeks ago, their game against Hawkinson. They've got some really good athletes. They're, they're young, but they're going to be really good players over the next couple of years. This is a really good time for Linden to get to get Archbishop. Elsewhere on Friday night, Bellingham at 1-2. and two. They'll open up league play at Cedarcrest, a 2-1 and one squad. Red Wolves coming off a demolishing of Sultan at 42-7 last week. Well, the Red Raiders looked awfully good as well. 47-0 a win over Sammamish. And Bellingham just trying to get on track and we hear word that after Spencer Lee returned on the defensive side of the ball and on special teams he should be back for offense that is a huge boost for the Red Raiders yeah that is I mean the school's all-time leading receiver you know last week they just went in that T that T formation double tight yep. they didn't have anybody split out but I mean coming off the role that they had running the ball with their offensive line pushing people around and then you put someone like Spencer Lee on the outside that the defense has to be aware of that's can only help the Red Raiders. Tyler, you mentioned running the ball. How about if we hear from the head coach for the Red Raiders, Ted Flynn? He says they have found their identity. We've had a really good quarterback the last four years who could, you know, see the whole field and, and make any throw, uh, and you know didn't really have that great of a running game. But uh, with the linemen that we have and the running backs we have, and the, the ability of our quarterback to run this year, I, I think obviously our identity is more. Uh, of a running offense, so which which I'm personally more comfortable with. So. <laughs> How about a common opponent update? Cedarcrest beats Sammamish 27-14 in the opener. Remember, Red Raiders 47-0 over Sammamish last week. Linden Christian, 10th ranked, 3-0. They will take on Mount Baker on the road. Mount Baker 2-1, 7 o'clock on Friday. At 3-0, the Lynx have already matched their entire win total from last year and the combined win totals from the previous two seasons. Oh, by the way, the defense looking awfully good as well. They've still only given up three points through three games this year. Yeah, I love these matchups in the 1A. This is what I remember growing up. This is what I know. And, and this, this matchup is always interesting. You know, last year they had a couple of close games, but the last time Lyndon Christian beat Mount Baker was 2004. And that was a 12 nothing game. This year's, this year's seniors weren't even in kindergarten yet when that wow. game took place. So I'm really excited to see uh, Levi Courtheis run the ball against Jay Allen as a linebacker. That's going to be the matchup I'm watching. LC coach Dan Kamick, he is impressed by what he has seen so far out of the Mountaineers. Coach Lepper's got those kids playing really well. I think the game against Linden gave them a lot of confidence because you know they hung 34 on Linden and had an opportunity to win that game. And they are just a team that when you watch them, they play with a lot of confidence. Very impressed with their speed of their offensive linemen. Um, they're a team that just really stretches you across the line of scrimmage, and uh, you've got to do your job. On the other side, Mount Baker responded rather well to giving up a last-second play that had the game tied at half in their matchup against Cascade out of Leavenworth last week. They went on to win that one 38-19. Coach Lepper said that, well, they, they got what they needed out of a road trip and also a little bit of adversity, which is something, obviously, coaches sometimes like to see their players get, especially before a big league matchup. Yeah, and we heard Coach Lepper say it earlier that, you know, they're going to play tough teams in their non-conference games prior to getting into this gauntlet of, of six league games, and it's showing for them. They've played some really good competition, and it's going to pay off for them here in the next six weeks. Mount Baker headman Ron Lepper says it's rather hard to prep for those links. You got to stop the run. I mean, that's what you know. That's what they want to do there. And then defensively, you got to be prepared for what you're not prepared for. And I know that sounds strange, but you know, in all the years that I've coached against Coach Kamek, um, you have an idea of what do you think he's going to do, and then it ends up doing something different. So it usually takes you about a half to figure it out. You know, and if you don't figure it out, you're in a lot of trouble. And even if you do figure it out, you still might be in trouble. Yipes. Mountaineers won 27-21 and 18-14 in two matchups last season. Sticking in the 1A ranks, number 8 Meridian at 2-1. They'll go to Nooksack Valley, unranked but undefeated, 3-0. Also a 7 o'clock start. Both teams coming off of lopsided wins in Week 3. Trojans beat Mission BC 49-0. The Pioneers down Kings 47-7. Tyler, it's great to get lopsided wins 
but I don't know how much either team got out of those wins because they were so out of hand so quickly. I don't know if that's the best preparation for a huge league matchup. Yeah, I mean, they might have got a lot of confidence and they got some great statistics, but you're right. I mean, it, it's hard to really know what they're made of yet. And I love this rivalry. The, you know, last year's game brought a, or their games brought a huge crowd, mostly because of the two quarterbacks. Sure. Much ballyhooed, you know. Um, but how about this? Coach Ames' wife graduated from Nooksack Valley in 1968. Nice. And Coach Meyer, when he played for the Pioneers, had a pick six against the Trojans, who were coached by Ames 32 years ago. And uh, I just I love the history of these two teams. And and I, the, the matchup I really want to see is Austin O'Brien against Dylan Hickok, the quarterback against the linebacker. Sure. That's going to be an unbelievable matchup. Evan Knightling hauled in a big 76-yard TD pass early but was lost for much of the game in that victory over Kings with an ankle injury. Word is... Uh, that he'll be day-to-day rather questionable for the Meridian game. Pioneers head coach Rob Meyer says, you know what you're getting with the Trojans, but that doesn't make it any easier. As always, Meridian really brings it defensively. They're going to try to put a lot of pressure on our quarterback and just uh, really move the line of scrimmage to, to our backfield. That in alone presents a challenge, and it uh, makes our guys really have to be thinkers on their feet uh, be able to react to what they do, and, and it just makes for a difficult game. I talked to Coach Bob Ames earlier, actually, today, and it, this, their matchup against Mission BC, it, it was done as soon as the Roadrunners got off the bus. Uh, they gave up just 62 yards in the contest. Uh, they rolled the victory in this one. Coach, I assume, was already looking ahead, and, and in only Coach Ames fashion. He was already worried, despite a lopsided victory about this matchup against Nooksack Valley. He says the big key on Friday will be stopping Pioneers QB Austin O'Brien. Their quarterback is explosive and dynamic. He's a different cat than the guy they had last year. Uh, he played running back, and he's, he's really fast. The, the guy they had last year, I mean, he'd run over you. This guy can run over you, but he is just so explosive and elusive. I've seen him drop the ball, pick in uh, from a bad snap, pick it up, and just run straight ahead, and nobody could touch him. Wait for it. We can't. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Uh, as only the coach can say it. Uh, Meridian won, by the way, fifty to thirty-six and twenty-eight twenty-seven last year in the two matchups. Moving on, Ferndale one and two at Arlington two and one. Seven o'clock on Friday. Golden Eagles, great performances out of Gator Fox. Brian Eby, uh, as they what combined for what 276 yards and three TDs in that 28-16 win over Marysville Getchell last week, and then the big fourth quarter by Watiko Layton with the reception for a touchdown, the interception that helped hold on to the victory, and I think that was a big win. I, I know Getchell has not been very successful over the last couple of years, but you saw Ferndale get back to being Ferndale that we have seen in the past. Yeah, you know, the big nasties up front, pushing guys around. Getchell's much improved this year. And so, you know, Ferndale needed that win, the first league game of the year. They got it, and you're right. It looked like Ferndale football. Run the ball, try and stop it. It was awesome. We have seen Arlington before. They beat Stanwood 21-13 last week, but they we saw them fall to Squalicum 42-21 in Week 2, and they were an up-and-down squad at best, Jeff. At times, we thought, oh, man, they're gonna they're just going to put it on Squalicum here. That second half, they just didn't even show up in some respects. Yeah, that uh, beginning of that game against Squalicum, Arlington was firing on all cylinders. And their quarterback had has a very strong arm. He was hitting his receivers on wide open deep balls. Right. And, you know, Squalica made the adjustment and Arlington, they couldn't get in a rhythm after that. You know, it looks like they got back, you know, to Arlington football last week, getting the win against Stanwood, which is a, a big rivalry for them. So it'll be interesting to see what they come out with this weekend. Ferndale coach Jamie Plankovich says they have to stop Westco All-League quarterback Anthony Whitus. Well, they got another uh, really good quarterback who's back from last year. They're going to spread you out. We'll, we'll see a lot of the same things that we saw from Getchell. Um, I, th I, I think their quarterback's equally as good as as Getchell's quarterback. He's he's been a three-year starter, so uh, we got to we got to turn right back around and get ready to play. Ferndale beat Arlington 41-13 last year. And it is Marysville Getchell at 1-1. One one. Mark that. That can't be right. 1-2 and two 
at Squalicum, 2-1 and one at Civic Stadium, 7 o'clock on Saturday. Go ahead and say it. You've been dying to say it. Oh, it's the Battle of the Bolts, That's baby. That's right. The Chargers and the Storm. Injuries top the storyline for the game. The Storm lost running back wide receiver Devontae Powell during their 2014 loss to Marysville Pelchuk last week. He is expected back this week. Still without running back Brandon Powers, who was injured in week two. He's questionable for Saturday. Oh, yeah, and Marysville Getchell, they lost their starting quarterback, Caleb Colmer, in the second half of their 28-16 loss to Ferndale after he took a hard hit to the noggin. He was replaced by sophomore Josiah Colmer. Who knows who we'll see out there on the field. Squalicum coach Nick Lucy says no matter who is behind center, they expect to see a dangerous aerial attack. The team that throws the ball all over the place because all it takes is you know one pass to... Uh, to get behind you. So they got a real good junior quarterback that we've seen for a couple of years now, and uh, he really makes their system go. So we got to do a good job defensively, keeping the ball in front of us. And, uh, you know, I, I think they're also really improved on defense. I see a more physical unit uh, that really battles, and you see some, you see they tackle well as well. Squalicum beat Marysville Getchell 62-7 to last year. And there you have it. Well, there's still one more game to preview for week four. It's our game of the week. A two-way lake showdown between Seaholm and Blaine. That's next when we continue on the Cover 3 podcast right here on the Doug Lang Network. Hi, I'm Doug Lang. Thanks for listening. Do you want more? The Doug Lang Network has you covered online with game broadcasts, interviews, photos, blogs, videos, and more. It's a local voice for your teams. Check it out now at onthedln.com. That's onthedln.com, the home of the Doug Lang Network. Apple, Android, or on the web, you can listen to the Doug Lang Network right now on Stitcher Radio. Search for On the DLN at stitcher.com. Welcome back to it. You're listening to the Cover 3 Podcast right here on the Doug Lang Network. Doug, Jeff, and Tyler with you. So glad to have you listening along. You know what it's time for. We've left one more game, and, well, it is our Game of the Week. The Doug Lang Network Game of the Week. It's Blaine versus Seaholm at Civic Stadium, Friday, September 21st, online at www.onthedln.com. Breakdown. That's right. Time to take a look at our matchup. Hopefully we'll have you listening along as the Borderites take on the Mariners at Civic Stadium Friday night. Once again, 645 with the pregame show, 7 o'clock, the kickoff online at www.onthedln.com. Seahome explodes for 21 points in the first quarter last week to win their first game, 42-14 over Centralia on the road. We talked a little bit about it earlier that this Seahome squad, they they just got they have the weapons what we saw in the first couple of weeks was their inability to put it all together and keep it going in the right direction yeah i mean they have so many weapons you know the skill guys in the secondary and the you know, big linemen and great coaching i mean it's just you're right it just hasn't all gelled together at the right time looks like it did last week and this is the Seahawks team I was expecting to watch this year Mariners head coach Kevin Beeson sounded rather happy to finally get that first victory yeah it's a good place to start it is I mean obviously uh, weeks one and two were uh, hard but uh, you know those are past us and uh, just like week three now it's a, it's a good place to, to springboard the rest of the season but it's uh, it's behind us now and we can build on build upon it and uh, look forward to opening big player. On the other side, Blaine. They only managed three points in a 14-3 loss to Lyndon Christian last Friday. Remember, uh, Lyndon Christian hadn't given up any points to that point in the season. Blaine not happy about the loss, but their defense is playing well, and they were in this game despite we, we're not really sure how good this Blaine squad is given their previous two opponents. Yeah, you know, Blaine played a Canadian team earlier in the year that they, they beat up on pretty good. And, you know, then the loss last week, they had defensively two turnovers, I believe, that they got from Lyndon Christian as Lyndon Christian was in the red zone. 
So they are making the plays when they need to. Now they've got to get the offense going as well. Mortarites head coach Jay Dodd tipped his hat to the Lynx following the 14-3 loss, but he says now they need to learn from that game. There are a lot of things, yes, that we can work on. Like I say, they were in our backfield all night long. So uh, our line's got to play better. Our line's got to play with our head up. Our line's got to communicate who, who they're getting and, and what they're doing and, and uh, so we can get just a little bit of a run game going and protect the passer better. We mentioned that offensive firepower out of Seaholm. Well, Coach Kevin Beeson says there were plenty of accolades to go around following their win over Centralia, and it starts with his quarterback, Jacob Kaepernick. Cap is still showing uh, uh, an accurate arm. He was 18 for 27 for 218 and three touchdowns there. It's Centralia. Uh, Dylan ran the ball 15 times for 135 yards, and uh, Meg caught uh, seven of Cap's passes for 91 yards and two touchdowns. So, you got some kids uh, showing some, some production there on the opposite side of the ball. And then, uh, you know, uh, Dawson Smith uh, uh, comes in with 10 tackles. So, I mean, uh, got some kids playing hard and playing well. It sets up a pretty good matchup. Seaholm's rather high-octane offense against a Blaine defense that it's ahead of its younger offense as they continue to kind of suffer the growing pains of installing a new system. That defense is getting it done. They've looked good. Granted, we're still questioning questioning who they've played so far other than LC last week, but that defense looks awfully good. Yeah, they have guys at all levels. I mean, you know, Wyatt Cole and Gavino Rodriguez up front. Jacob Westfall is a linebacker. You know, you got Derek Machula at safety. And, and oh, Chase Absher is you know, an amazing athlete back there, too. So they just have those guys, and, and they're being coached the right way. Speaking of the coach, who is getting it done on defense, according to Coach J. Dot? Hudson Reed standing out big time for us. Uh, he plays linebacker for us. And, uh, you know, Hudson's been a just, he's been all over the field, um, both in, both in run and pass and, and we blitz him too. So, uh, he, he's all over the field, uh, in the box and, and as well as big defensive lineman, Wyatt Cole, uh, plays nose guard for us. Big, big, strong, explosive kid. Uh, so those two players in the box have been outstanding. Uh, and then Derek Machula plays safety for us. He's kind of our, uh, our coach out there on the field, getting guys lined up. As far as the coaching matchup, plenty of respect between the two programs. Coach Beeson led the Mariners to a 65-26 win last year in the season finale. He expects a far more competitive game this time around. Well, we got a lot of love for uh, Coach Dodd and what he does in the program. I mean, uh, great guy, former old lineman, and uh, you know they're uh, they're balanced offensively. They like to run and pass equally. Uh, they'll line up and. You know, double tight eye once in a while and try and pound it on you. They'll uh, spread it out and run. They'll throw. Um, you know, they're you know, they'll hit you with a lot of different looks and they maintain a balance there. And defensively, they're they're stout up front and uh, tackle well. So uh, you know, I just uh, got a handful. On the other side, Coach Dodd says Seaholm is very impressive. They're a senior-dominated club. Uh, they've got three, if not four, really good wide receivers. Uh, they got a lefty quarterback, only a sophomore, but he can sling it around. Uh, senior tailback, who's a really, really good player. Uh, three offensive linemen that are over 245 pounds. Uh, so they have a, a very, very effective offense. Uh, and their defense lines up great, and their defense sprints to the football, and they try and hit you in the mouth. Ouch. That can't be good. It should be a great matchup, and we'll hope to have you listening along. Borderites and the Mariners, Blaine and Seaholm from Civic Stadium, 645 with the pregame, a 7 o'clock kickoff, and all of it right here on the Doug Lang Network at www.onthedln.com. Hey, what happened? Music. We'll wrap it up with the dogs, cougs, and hawks picks and a deeper dive into the cover three when we put a close to things next on the cover three podcast right here on the Doug Lang Network. The prep football season is underway and we've got you covered on the Doug Lang Network. Listen to our game of the week as we follow the gridiron action in Whatcom County. It's Blaine at Seahome in a two-way showdown Friday, September 21st, beginning at 6.45 p.m. Listen live online at www.onthedln.com. Local voice. Yes! Local teams. Yes! Local roots. Yes! The Doug Lang Network, online at onthedln.com. Hooray! 
Welcome back to it. It is the Cover 3 podcast right here on the Doug Lang Network at www.onthedln.com. Doug, Jeff, and Tyler with you. And, you know, we're, we're on episode four, and I realized, okay, you know, I've been doing this for quite some time, but, you know, both of you are somewhat new to the podcast broadcast game. And I figured, well, why don't we let those listening get to know a little bit more about the Cover 3 crew? Cover three crew, three questions that I'll throw out there, and then we'll grade your answers. It's just that simple. <laughs> oh, they, they can answer on uh, social media with uh, their answer? Uh, no, 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 no. These are your answers. Oh. These are your answers, okay. and uh, I will be the uh, impartial judge. I can already tell, Jeff, most of yours are going to be wrong. Here we go. Uh, pretty simple. Pancakes, waffles, or French toast, which is best? Jeff, you're first. Waffles. Waffles. Care to explain why? Uh, I, I like to have the little, you know, the little crevices for the sure. butter and the syrup. Helps with the in. syrup. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Were you having problems with the other, uh, the other two forms? Yeah, if you yeah, will. Very. Just very all over the plate, down your pants, plate, that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. I, I got you, yeah. Tyler. This doesn't play well for the b- podcast, but I'm 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 with Jeff. Really? Yeah, but one thing though, I can't eat breakfast. So if I'm gonna have ever, it, right? No, I'll get sick if I eat when I wake up. Really? Yeah. So it's so, like breakfast for dinner for you. Yeah. If okay. I have if I have waffles, it'll be for dinner. What's what's the cutoff point? Like how late can uh, like like when like what's the earliest you could be forced to eat breakfast? Ten forty-five. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So sleeping in, and let's be very clear: both of you are wrong. The best answer is pancakes. Clearly, pancakes. We were looking for pancakes for all the points here. Yeah. You can roll them up. You can dip them. You can have thirty-seven, and you're not a hog if you're at breakfast. That's plain a good, and simple. That's a good point. There actually. you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, second question here: uh, What food or foods do you hate that everybody else loves, even if you're eating after ten? 45 in the morning. Tyler, you go first. Oh, this is easy. Cheesecake. Cheesecake. I really? Can't, can't stand cheesecake. Is there a is it a dairy thing? A cheese thing? Is it just I don't know. I just yeah. I don't like cream cheese and I okay. and I, and uh, you know, and I and Even I've on never, a bagel? No, I just okay. can't stand it. And I've never been to the Olive Garden cuz I'm not a fan of olives or gardens. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Olive Garden. <laughs> I, I hate to break it to you. They don't feed you the full garden there, but yeah. but the breadsticks are kind of good. Jeff I would have to go with, uh, wow, this is a tough one. I'm going to go with salmon. Salmon? I am not for oysters. Seafood uh, in general. I like I like cod. Okay, But the rest sure. of seafood, I just, it does nothing for me. Wow. And this is a tough place to live. Yeah. not you, like seafood. Yeah, you better yeah. keep that quiet. You go back to Michigan and tell them That's that right. there. That's, That's okay. Right. Yeah, in Detroit, they're all, they're, they're behind you. But here... Here you love salmon. That's right. Yeah, I have to <laughs> pretend like I like it sometimes. And so. once again, I'm sorry, you're both wrong. Uh, there are two correct answers in this one. Uh, it is plain and simple. Uh, potato salad, number one, is absolutely awful. I don't care if it's somebody's special potato salad that they make that's better. No, it's always awful. And apples uh, in almost any form. Apples. Apple, wow. apple pie, apple cobbler, oh. apple crisp. Anything with a hot apple in it is might as well be a road apple, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and finally, uh, ra- uh, rank these three activities as a sport. Fishing, video games, bowling, or ultimate frisbee. What order do they belong in? Tyler, you're up first. Oh, man. Fishing, video games, bowling, ultimate frisbee. I'm going to say as a sport. Yeah. Ultimate Frisbee's number one. Wow. Okay. Because you're moving. Okay. Bowling. Yep. Fishing video games. Fishing video games. Jeff? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Tyler. The first one is gonna be Ultimate Frisbee. I actually know a few guys who do it. It's a pretty good workout. Uh, that'll be number one. I'll go bowling. Eh, no, I'm gonna go fishing too. 
because there is a little bit of skill involved. Sure. In that. Okay. I'll go bowling three and video games. N- never ever a sport. I don't oh, wow. care what okay. they say. It's not a sport. Okay. Uh, once again, it's bizarre that you guys can't figure this out, but you're wrong. Uh, video games is number one, but only if it's FIFA soccer video game. All the rest of them suck, and I don't want to hear anything different. Uh, number two, it is bowling, just because you can also get some pull tabs and drink a beer while you're doing it. What yeah. better sport than that? Uh, then fishing, although I cannot stand the actual activity or sport. Sometimes I do sneak into the supermarket and sneak up on the fish counter and just kind of <laughs> jump on some cod or halibut and feel like I'm fishing. And then finally, ultimate frisbee. I don't have hair long enough to go and play. Plain Good and point. simple. Good point. Now, I hope our listeners feel like they know just a little bit more about the Cover 3 crew. I hope you also feel you know a little bit more about each other. It's just that simple. <sighs> the Cover 3 podcast two-minute warning here on the Doug Lang Network. That's right. It's the two-minute warning, which means it is time to make our picks and wrap it all up. We begin with the Cougs. Wazoo at USC Friday night at 7.30. Jeff, what you got? Uh, I'm going to go with USC. If this game was at in Pullman, I would have taken the Cougars, but I think USC finds a way to win a close one. Tyler? You know, I picked against the Cougars the last two weeks, and they've won both times, so I'm going to pick the Cougars to win this time. Wow. Look at you go. I will take USC. I agree with Jeff. Uh, 7.30 on the road. I-, I just see Wazoo coming up short in this one. Arizona State at UW at 7.30 at home because I don't know why they couldn't play at about 9.30 at night. That'd be more fun. Jeff, your thoughts? You can thank Larry Scott and his great leadership of the Pac-12 for these stark times. There you go. On the uh, Pac-12 network making about a dollar a year. Yeah, about that. Uh, I'm going to go UW will win probably by about 14, 17 points. Yeah, I'm kind of with Jeff on this one. Um, You know, UW at home. They, they have to win this one. Huskies win it. They win it by 20. And finally, the Seahawks looking for their first victory. They'll play host of the Cowboys on Sunday at 125. Seahawks. Yeah, Seahawks. I hate the Cowboys. Wow. Uh, I say Seahawks go to 0-3 on the year. Zeke Elliott has a big, big night. We'll see you for a big night Friday. Blaine versus Seaholm at Civic Stadium beginning at 645 at www.onthedln.com. Thanks so much for listening along to the Cover 3 podcast right here on the Doug Lang Network. Thanks for listening to the Cover 3 Podcast. Download and listen each week on iTunes, TuneIn.com, Stitcher Radio, and online at OnTheDLN.com. Whatcom County Prep football fans, we've got you covered on the Doug Lang Network.